Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Heather Doty, FY21 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by one of our WE20 keynote speakers, Sundari Mitra, Corporate Vice President and General Manager of the IP Engineering Group at Intel Corporation. Mitra leads a team focused on developing best-in-class IP with clean and verifiable interfaces for their silicon-on-chip, or SOC, engineering teams. Mitra started her career at Intel in the late 1980s as a chip designer on the Intel 286. Subsequently, she joined Sun Microsystems, where she drove several UltraSpark processors from inception to production. After Sun Microsystems, she took the entrepreneurial plunge and went on to launch two successful technology companies. Her first startup was Prism Circuits, which created high-speed mixed signal phi and controllers. Prism grew to multi-million dollars in revenue and was acquired by Mosis in 2009. At Mosis, Mitra was the executive vice president of engineering and delivered serial memory SOCs. In 2011, she founded NetSpeed Systems, a system-on-a-chip fabric IP company. She grew the company to profitability with an impressive list of Fortune 100 customers. NetSpeed was acquired by Intel Corporation in 2018. Mitra has authored 25 patents and received several awards, including the Distinguished Alumni Award from the College of Engineering at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in 2017, where she received her master's degree in electrical and computer engineering. Mitra continues to focus on mentoring others, particularly women in technology and technology entrepreneurs. Thanks for joining us today, Sundari. Thanks for joining us today, Sundari. It is my pleasure to be over here, Heather. Can you walk us through your early journey growing up in India and moving to the U.S.? Um, absolutely. Um, so uh, I grew up in a, a conservative, uh, what we call in India, a very middle-class family. I had two older brothers, uh, a very enterprising mom, and a dad who actually worked uh, for the Indian government. What I remember from my childhood is that we didn't have too many material things. But there was an abundance of love and just a phenomenal environment for all of us to problem solve and study at home. Uh, my mom, I call her enterprising. She was a teacher. But she's a teacher who kindled the spirit of learning in her students, as well as, I will speak for myself, uh, in me. And she's the one who, from a very early age, kept telling me that she did not have the opportunity to have a professional field. Um, and, you know, she actually finished her college only because she got married early and her husband allowed her to get a college degree. 
and she had a dream that her daughter should become a professional. So when I was growing up, uh, I know the environment around me was more about a, uh, a woman's work is primarily family. But my mom kept emphasizing to me saying, family is of course going to be a part of your life. It should be a very important part of your life. But I do not want you to forget that you are smart and that you should be able to do more than one thing in your life. And with that upbringing, uh, you know, I, I went through high school and um, um, when my father uh, got transferred, he was in a government job. And when he got transferred and we have to move to a different part of India, I was ready to settle for a local college, but it was my mother who insisted that I try and apply for an engineering program. And, um, and she pretty much insisted and convinced my dad that if I had to stay out of state to get an engineering degree, it was okay for me to do that. Uh, without her support, I wonder whether I would have been allowed to pursue the field of engineering. So it's her encouragement, her determination to ensure that I get a professional degree. And uh, the choice for me at that point was either you're going to become an engineer or a doctor. And uh, because of my propensity to solve problems and my love for physics, I became an engineer. Right. So I kind of uh, grew up in a, a sheltered environment in the sense that, you know, I, I don't remember leaving my home alone. I was always chaperoned. Uh, uh, being the girl in the family, I had two older brothers. I, I sort of grew up in a sheltered but very loving and an encouraging environment saying, go do what you want to do. Uh, with that uh, background, uh, I kind of, um, you know, went into engineering college. Uh, I like to kid with everyone saying, uh, you know, I, I not only got an engineering degree in my undergraduate, uh, but I uh, fell in love with my life partner, my anchor, uh, who's my husband today. And uh, we are still together. So we met at the age of 18. And uh, why did I come to the U.S.? Not because I had the aspirations of saying, hey, I'm going to go conquer the world. It's because he came to do his master's program at Champaign-Urbana and uh, pretty much I followed along. So I applied, um, you know, uh, with the motivation of being with him and I joined him six months after he came to the U.S. Once I got exposed to the U.S. system of education, uh, I realized that, you know, it allowed my curious learning nature to really thrive because I enjoyed the projects that I could get my hands on at UIUC. And, um, and I did, uh, you know, I enjoyed working with the, with the professors on my thesis as well as the coursework projects and just, just the learning that it offered me. It was very different from sort of the dogmatic, this is the coursework, this is all you can do uh, in the undergraduate level to having the freedom and flexibility to choose my courses, to do what I wanted to do. And uh, that, that was a fantastic experience for me. Right. So um, I was going to say, that's fantastic that you've had such champions um, throughout your, your life. 
No, absolutely have had it. And, you know, I've had the opportunities and then I've kind of used those opportunities to make something of my life. But I definitely have leaned on the support system that I've had to get to where I am today. Certainly. And speaking of some of those successes, you've been a successful entrepreneur with two startups, the most recent one being NetSpeed that was acquired by Intel. Can you tell us about your experience and challenges creating startups? Uh, Sure. So uh, prior to becoming an entrepreneur, uh, I was, uh, you know, a director of engineering at Sun Microsystems. And uh, curiously, uh, I got laid off from Sun Microsystems uh, when there was a business direction change. Uh, I got laid off along with, uh, you know, hundreds of uh, other engineers. And, um, and then, you know, I, it, it came as a shock to me. Uh, being one of the high-performing employees, you don't expect something like this to happen. Uh, but again, I think uh, one of the things that I have learned is that any obstacle that comes in my way, I have to somehow turn it into an opportunity. So uh, along with the layoff came a layoff package. And um, uh, as I was wondering what my next journey should be, I decided to invest my lay- lay- layoff package to start a company. Um, I started the company in an area that I was intimately familiar with, which is the mixed signal analog design world. So technically, it was not a challenge for me. But on the business side, I had to hit the ground running. Right. So um, what I realized uh, is, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, it's uh, you got to be a dreamer. And, uh, you know, one of the people I love to quote is uh, Nelson Mandela. And a winner is really a dreamer who never gives up. To me, entrepreneurship is about that. You're going to hit one challenge after the other. You either get daunted by it or you try and overcome it. You, you treat it as an opportunity and you keep moving forward. So on my first venture, it was the business aspects which I did not know. It's the business aspects which intrigued me. I had to learn how to run a business. What is sales? What is marketing? How different is marketing from sales? How does one manage the finances of a company? And this company was a bootstrap company. So I actually did not have a board. Uh, I had an informal set of advisors who I would lean on for advice. Uh, but, But pretty much, I ran the company as the board, as the CEO, as the VP of sales, VP of marketing, VP of engineering, as well as you know, a designer, right? So, um, uh, but the journey was like just supremely exciting. Uh, It was supremely exciting, but it was tiring. And uh, uh, by by the time when I started, when I joined entrepreneurship, it was when my children were, you know, my daughter was actually uh, just at the cusp of becoming a teenager, right? So I had two uh, young children at that point in time. And after a a relentless pace of working for two or three years, uh, when I got like offers for for an acquisition, I took it as an opportunity to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to go back and spend a little bit more time with my children because by then our son was getting to a point where he was in high school and he was going to leave for college. And um, so I actually kind of exited that company and uh, got into my Next startup, which was NetSpeed Systems, um, focusing on just the entrepreneurial piece of it. I will get to being a mother part later. Uh, when 
I started NetSpeed, the challenge over here was, I was like, okay, I did my first company as a bootstrap company with no board. This time, I'm going to drive it to a larger scale. So I this time, I got along investors. I actually set up a board, very impressive set of investors, a really good board, and, and went after a larger scale in building NetSpeed. Right? So um, was it a easier run than the first one because I surrounded myself with a whole set of investors? It was great to have the support system. It was great to have the mentorship of experienced people, but it offered its own set of challenges in terms of the market that I chose and, and the nicheness of the IP that I chose at NetSpeed Systems. Um, but again, you know, it seems impossible, but I think if you persevere, it, you get there and something similar happened with NetSpeed, right? And so um, being an entrepreneur to me, it's like there are several pieces to this puzzle. If you're starting your own company, you need to ensure that there is a market opportunity first. Then you need to have a team that supports you. And when I say the team, the team is the people that is in your company, but as well as your investors, uh, as well as your salespeople, as well as the engineering team, that needs to be very competent. But finally, what drives you to success is the focus on execution. You have to have relentless focus on execution and ensuring that your product team is obsessed about creating the best there can be. Then the entrepreneur's journey, it becomes, uh, you know, smooth, it becomes fun, and uh, you create and you get joy in, in building something that's going to actually make a difference in the industry that you're working towards. Well, thanks for all those insights into the life as a CEO of a startup. Um, maybe you can highlight a little bit of the differences between that and working as a corporate vice president at a large corporation like Intel. How have you adapted to the differences between the two environments? Um, uh, wow. So, uh, you know, uh, being, being, so uh, let me start, let me just give you some numbers. Okay. So uh, I, NetSpeed Systems got acquired by Intel. NetSpeed at, was about 50 people. Out of the 50 people, the engineering team, uh, and, uh, you know, some of our, uh, applications, uh, people, uh, and, uh, you know, everyone who had who who were playing with the technology got absorbed. The sales and some of the other functions uh, didn't join Intel. So we were about thirty six or thirty seven of us who got absorbed into Intel. Uh, if you look at the organization I drive inside Intel today, you know, give or take, um, you know, a few. We are probably a little over four thousand in my organization. So the scale of operation for me from what I did at uh, NetSpeed Systems and before that at uh, Prism Circuits, where I was, it was tens of people. I've suddenly kind of jumped into, uh, you know, a few thousand in my organization. So what does it mean for me in terms of management? And then I will talk about the large company versus the small company. But for me as an individual, as a leader, being the leader of a startup, the, the same obsession, the same vision that I had to drive at a smaller scale, now I need to do at a much larger scale. 
So the footprint of my influence uh, internally focused is much more internally focused because I do not have a CEO's job of having to sell to the external market. I don't need to raise money. But all that energy I have to now move towards ensuring that I can, you know, fuel the passion in a few thousand engineers to achieve my vision. There is more process involved in this. There is more changing the mindset of the team involved in this. So when I look at my own responsibilities, it's kind of moved from, okay, I need to ensure that I have enough money in the bank, that I'm getting enough sales in, to now ensuring that my entire team has a mindset of we have to create something disruptive that can make Intel win, right? So I fuel all the energy that I had as an entrepreneur onto a different side now, which is to kind of pivot my team towards a a passion of creating disruption inside Intel. Now, in terms of a larger company, what does it mean? It means that some of the decisions that I could make myself I can't necessarily make it myself today. I can influence it. But I got to lean on getting consensus across management ranks before you can take a very big decision or a high impact decision. But also the impact of the decisions that we make is much larger now because it touches the lives of so many uh, more uh, market segments, so many more individuals, so many more products. Right? So the scale of the decision-making is bigger. Right? So, uh, so what you're hearing from me is leadership is different in a startup versus different in a larger corp- corporation. And as an individual, I'm having to adjust from a fast pace. Let's make you know, 10 decisions a day to now. Let me think about the ramifications of my decision at a much larger scale at the, you know, In a startup, you don't have legacy that you need to ensure you're compatible uh, to. Yes, you got to make sure your quality is supremely high, but the impact of legacy, the impact of a brand, um, which you have to maintain in Intel, uh, it's different in a startup where you're creating a brand versus over here, you're trying to ensure that you continue building upon a phenomenal brand name that we already have. Does that make sense? Totally. Thanks for answering that. Um, you talked. You touched on this a little bit in your last answer, but maybe um, a little bit further about what are your professional goals as corporate vice president, and what changes would you like to see happen over the course of your time with Intel? Yes. So, so I, I, like you said, I touched upon it briefly. I think what I'm trying to bring about is an entrepreneurial mindset in my organization. So I run the IPG. Uh, or the IP engineering group inside Intel. And uh, we deliver majority of the IP that goes into our client data center, networking, um, uh, as well as our Internet of Things group. Uh, 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 huge percentages of the IP come from our team. It's, it's a very, very big portfolio. And um, what I'm trying to do inside this organization is to create the spirit of how can we disrupt, you know? So uh, intellectual property is about disrupting technology. As an entrepreneur, I know how to do that, how to create disruptive technology. 
But what I'm trying to do is bring that disruption at scale inside Intel. And, and I have some ideas uh, of how we can leverage that. How do you take the advantages of Intel being an IDM and turn that into a product advantage for our corporation? So those are some of the things that I am trying to bring about inside Intel. Uh, the, the other thing is some of the design methods of Intel uh, perhaps you know, can move closer to uh, industry standard. Uh, because there is some amount of advantages of having the legacy of Intel with you, but at the same time, sometimes that legacy, if it's if it's too much, it becomes burdensome. So how do you bring about some nimbleness inside the design methodologies of Intel so that you know you can deploy the scale with the nimbleness and and create more products, more disruption, more innovation? That's the mindset shift and that's the methodology shift that I'm trying to bring inside Intel. Fantastic. Um, we're really excited to have you as one of the keynote speakers at this year's SWE conference discussing how curiosity is the key to entrepreneurship. I don't want to spoil your keynote by giving too much away here, but um, maybe you could share with our listeners today what kind of obstacles you've faced as a woman in engineering and how you overcame them. Yeah, I would love to do that. Um, so uh, my number one definition is every obstacle is an opportunity. Um, I, I will tell you that one of my biggest advantages of being a female entrepreneur in the hardware industry, and that too in the hardware industry where it's deeply embedded in technology, has been that I have been female. Anyone who's trying to sell has got to remember that it's very hard to make an impression and get, get remembered for what you're bringing. Um, I can give you examples where I have traveled in Asia and when I have showed up at the business, they look at me and they say, oh, are you Sundari's admin? And I'm like, no, I am Sundari and her admin. They expect, they expected that the CEO of a hardware company was actually going, not going to be, they don't expect to see a petite female show up as a CEO of a disruptive technology company. Just the introduction, just the shock, the awe and the shock of being who I am would open up doors for me. And I use that as an opportunity to pivot from there and then, you know, floor them saying that not only do I understand the technology of my company, I understand how the business runs. I understand how I'm marketing it. I can negotiate with you on legal terms. I can negotiate with you on business terms. And oh, by the way, if you want your architect to kind of get on a whiteboard session with me to draw the architecture of what I'm pitching to you, I can do that too, right? So I think what, what, uh, what could have happened potentially is I could have objected saying, you know what? No, I'm not the admin. How dare you? But no, I never did that. I pivoted around that to say, this is my advantage and turned it into a big advantage for me. Right, so this is just one example uh, that I'm sharing with you today. I have several such examples of uh, some funny incidents, some bizarre incidents, uh, but overall, 
I want all, uh, um, you know, all the women engineers to kind of, or all the women in any professional field to, to learn how to take what appears to be an obstacle. How do you turn that into an advantage? You're in a meeting. You cannot say much because you're being talked upon, talked around, talked over. But how do you make your point stick, right? Those are some of the subtle things that I kind of, uh, you know, have learned to uh, learn. Uh, first of all, I've learned how to kind of recognize when that is happening. I've learned how to confront that and confront that in a very non-emotional manner so that you can actually make a point of it. And the next time you say a word, everyone wants to listen to you. They just keep quiet. How do you achieve that impact? Right. So those are some of the things that I can talk to. Well, I can't wait to hear more at We20. Um, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, mentoring and leadership development are areas that you're particularly passionate about. Can you talk to us about um, what it is like mentoring women in science and technology? What kinds of advice do you give? Um, yes, I, I am av an avid mentor, um, and I mentor, mentor high school kids. I mentor college-going kids. I mentor some executives, and I mentor entrepreneurs. The universal message for everyone is be confident. Being a, a woman, you are just passionate to begin with. Channelize that passion so that it doesn't turn into emotion, but that passion, don't hide it. Channelize that passion to show how you can be so much more effective in, in what you do. One. Second, stay curious. The more curious you are, the more you're going to want to learn. The more you learn, the better you get, right? And my final to everyone is, final message to everyone that I mentor is feedback is a gift. Learn to solicit feedback, be gracious about accepting it, and actually act on the feedback. That is great advice for sure. Uh, Sundari, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and providing some really valuable insights for our current and future engineers and leaders. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to the keynote. Likewise. I'm Heather Doty for all of us at SWE. Thanks for listening. 